take your Bibles now, turn with me to Matthew chapter number 11. <clears throat> Matthew chapter number 11. And I'm going to look at the, first, uh, the last uh, three verses of this chapter. The last three days we have obviously um, focused on the example of Esther and how it compares to us and our responsibility, the challenge we've been given, the command we've been given to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. I trust that since we've started that series in these last few days that you've been contemplating, you've been meditating on the example that Scripture gives us uh, through her life. And I have really meant those three messages to be just a challenge for all of us. I know it's a challenge in my life. Anytime I open the Word of God, it's a challenge for me. So now these next two days, today and tomorrow, obviously the, the messages I trust will be a challenge to you. But one of my biggest goals in these next two days, today and tomorrow, will be to encourage you. I want to encourage you in the work of the Lord. Um, Matthew chapter number 11, verses 28, 29, and 30 are not, again, kind of like Esther, they're, they're not the first verses you think of when you think about missions. But again, by the time I end this message today, I hope you'll see just missions all through these three verses. And I pray that these verses will be an encouragement to you. So Matthew 11, beginning verse number 28, Jesus says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest under your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for this chapel service. Thank you for what has already been accomplished here. And I do pray that every aspect of the service thus far would be something that did and does and will bring glory to you in every way. And Lord, now as we come to this time where I've read your word and now I bring the message that you've laid on my heart. God, I pray that this part of the service would bring glory to you in a way that is eternal. God, I pray that there would be eternal benefit from these next few moments that we spend together. And Lord, once again, as always, I want to bring this message in the power of your Holy Spirit. So I pray, God, that that would be so. Lord, please guide and direct now in this time, and we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As we go through these three verses today, there's four words that I'd like you to just at least highlight in your mind, if not in your Bible. And I want you to think about these words as we go through the message. I'm going to call them action words. So first of all, in verse number 28, the first word there that I want you to highlight is the word come. Jesus says, come unto me. The second word I want you to highlight is in verse 29. He says, take. He says, take my yoke upon you. And then he says, and learn. That's the third word. Learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. And the fourth word, and ye shall find. The word find, rest unto your souls. So really, if we take these four, if you will, action words and put them into outline form, first of all, we see the plea of Jesus. He says, come unto me. Secondly, we see the plan of Jesus. He says, take my yoke upon you. And then we see the pattern of Jesus in that he says, learn of 
me. And then finally, we see the promise of Jesus. He says, you will find rest under your soul. So first of all, let's look at the plea that Jesus makes. He says, come unto me. I like this invitation, first of all, because it's an open invitation. He says, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. And he says, I will give you rest. This is, I have to start here, a plea, for invita- a plea and an invitation for salvation. Oh, how sad it is that many today are laboring for their salvation, where they simply just need to come to Jesus because Jesus has paid it all. And Jesus says, come unto me. And I'm glad his invitation, by the way, is not an invitation to a select few, a chosen few. It is to each and every one. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And you say, well, you know, you're, you're stressing that and you're here in a, a Christian college. Yes. Let me just take a little, if you will, rabbit trail this morning and mention this. Sometimes in a Christian college like this, there are some who have come and you are laboring for your own salvation still. You were born in a Christian home and you look to that heritage rather than looking to Jesus Christ. Perhaps you look to something that your mom and dad said, well, yes, at such and such an age, that's when you got saved. Can I take you back to the message yesterday and remind you that hell is real? You say, well, man, if I... If I you know, talk now and, and, and think now about the fact that maybe I'm not saved. And if I come to Christ now, what are all my friends? What are all my other students here? What are they, what are they going to think of me? They are going to rejoice with you. Oh, dear friend, if you put off salvation because you were born in a Christian home or because your mom and dad said this or because you did that or because you think, hey, I'm a, I'm a good person. I'm in Christian college. If you die without Jesus Christ you will spend eternity in a place called hell. Oh, dear friends, if we go through this missions conference and you come to the end of this thing and you don't come to Jesus Christ, you have missed an amazing opportunity because the whole message this week is about the light of the world, Jesus Christ. And without him, you are in darkness. So first of all, I make this plea that Jesus makes. If you're here today without him, go to him. Because he says, come unto me. Now, I find it interesting, by the way, and there's another side thought when it comes to missions. Jesus says, come unto me. Every other religion in the world says, do. Jesus says, come. And the reason is, Jesus has already done everything that needs to be done. The full penalty has been paid Jesus paid it all, all to him we owe. What an amazing message we have to give to a lost and a dying world. So Jesus makes the plea. He says, come unto me. So yes, first of all, we must mention salvation and his call to salvation. But now let's make the application to our service to him. And this needs to continue as we serve him. He says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. Don't answer the question by raise of hands, but just in your own heart, are you heavy laden today? Is there a burden on your heart? Is there a burden in your life, something that has you weighed down? 
The psalmist says, Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and He shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. Peter says, Casting all your care upon Him, for He careth for you. He doesn't want us to carry those burdens that come with life on this side of eternity on our own. He says, hey, cast those burdens on Him. And then I know sometimes, perhaps you're like me, I cast those burdens on Him and I've given them to Him and I'm thankful for it and then I get up from prayer and I put that burden back on and I walk off with it again. Cast your burden on Him and leave it with Him. Let Him take care of that burden because He says, and I will give you rest. And that only comes when we cease from doing our own works and trying to figure out how to do it in our own power. I want to remind you this morning of the Apostle Paul. He gave a testimony. Remember he had a thorn in the flesh? That was a burden for him. Something that, you know, I'm not sure how he prayed, but the Bible says there were three, I'm going to say at least seasons of prayer, three times in particular that he prayed and said, God, would you please remove this thorn in the flesh? This is a burden. By the way, I dare say that Paul probably prayed something like this. Lord, if you take away this thorn in the flesh, if you take away this burden, I can serve you better. Lord, I can be a better preacher. Lord, I can be a better missionary for you if you'll just remove this thorn in the flesh from me. But you'll remember God answered 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 9, And he that is God said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee. He says, for my strength is made perfect, how? In weakness. Most gladly, therefore, Paul says, well, I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. And the key for you and I is to go to Jesus with those burdens and say, I'm weak. Lord, I cannot do this in and of myself. God, I need you to take this burden. Jesus says if we do that, we will find rest in him, trusting only in his grace that he provides for you and I. Paul tells Timothy, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. He says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. So Jesus makes the plea to you and I. He says, come unto me. Why? Well, point number two, he has a plan. He has a plan for us. He says, take my yoke upon you. And can I add this? Don't just endure the yoke. Take it willingly, gladly upon us. Now, if we're going to take the yoke, what does that mean? There's a lot of things I think we could mention here, but let me just hit some of the high high spots on this. Number one, a yoke means hard work. Young people, don't let work scare you. Work hard. Roll up your sleeves. Get busy. Get the job done. Whatever it is God's put before you, do it and do it well. When you punch in the clock to go to work, be that worker that stands out above everybody else. Work hard. Not because you're working for them, but because you're working for the Lord Jesus Christ first and foremost. And we need to work hard for him. Uh, the, the yoke is about endurance and exercise. Watch, not about entertainment and excitement. So many people are looking for entertainment when they're talking about church and religion and all the things that come along with it. Jesus says, hey, I've got a yoke and the yoke means work. 
And when it comes to missions, you and I need, we need to labor in praying for missionaries. We've talked about that this week already. We need to labor in our giving. Not something we've mentioned yet, but I mention it now. Young people, you need to be involved in giving to missions. Through your local church, you say, well, Brother Snyder, you don't understand. I'm a, I'm a poor college student. Well, do you realize that the churches in Macedonia were in deep poverty? But God allowed them to give not only to their power, but beyond their power. Where our treasure is, there will a heart be also. If your heart's in missions and about seeing souls saved, your finances will be involved as well. And we need to labor in our giving. And then we need to labor in our going. As we go personally, making sure that it's not just a casual thing. Oh, well, if it's convenient. No, we're to labor in our going. Jesus said, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily. Can I, for the sake of the message, just add something there? Take up his cross and his yoke daily. Follow him. We need to remember the yoke means hard work. Number two, the yoke means submission. Submission. And you can picture, I think, hopefully a yoke in your mind and as most of the time a wooden instrument that would go over the necks of two different animals and connect them together. And, you know, I don't know if you've ever been in the country or you've been around some animals like horses and uh, cows, oxen, that kind of thing. If you have been, you understand what I'm about ready to say. Those are strong animals. There's no way you can make them do something out of your own strength. So when those animals went in the yoke, it was an act of submission to the farmer, to the owner of the field. When Jesus says, take my yoke upon you, it's an act of submission. He doesn't force us. He could, but he doesn't. That's what's amazing to me. And you and I, we need to bow to him and to who he is. The psalmist says, Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. You know, when I talk about submission, it's beyond just respect. Think about this with me. If I were sitting down here on this front row and um, somebody came up to talk to me, I, out of respect, because this is the way I was taught, I would stand up and then I would greet them out of respect for who they were and I'd shake their hand and hopefully I'd look at them in the eye. You know, we'd have a conversation uh, or if somebody came into the room that uh, let's say they came in the back door back there and they held an office somewhere, whether it be a, uh, an office here in this state or one of our uh, senators or congressmen or even the president of the United States, hopefully we would all stand Maybe not necessarily out of respect for who they are and what they believe, but out of at least respect for the office that they hold. But let me tell you, if Jesus Christ came through those doors, I would not stand out of respect for who he is. I would bow. I would be flat on my face, on the ground, worshiping him. Because he is Jesus. And Jesus says, hey, come unto me, take my yoke. And you and I need to bow in worship and submission to him so that he can use us in the way that he wants to use us. So the yoke is about hard work. It's about submission. Number three, the yoke is about focus. Um, How important it is that you and I put on blinders 
so that we focus on the work that he has for us to do. Um, you've seen this on animals that work in, in tandem like this and they, you know, some of them would be too distracted by what's going on beside them. You know, you and I need to put on those spiritual blinders because there's a lot going on in the world around us and if we're not careful, we can get entangled in those things and we can get distracted by those things. But we need to keep our focus on the Lord Jesus Christ and on what He said to focus on. In this missions conference, I remind you of what He said in John chapter 4. Jesus said unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. And he said, Say not ye there yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, Lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already unto harvest. By the way, he says, Lift up your eyes. Did you know that's plural? You know, sometimes we say, Well, Lord, okay, I'll, I'll keep an eye on the harvest. By that we mean we'll check it out every now and then. We'll, you know, we'll be reminded of it. Well, when the missions conference comes around, you know, well then, yeah, that'd be a good time to do that. No, he says, lift up your eyes, both eyes. Stay focused on it. That means our face has to be turned that way. And we need to not just take a passing glance at the harvest. We need to lift our eyes. And then he says this, that we are to look on the fields, focus on the fields you know, I remember when I was growing up, we lived out in the country and we lived in an old farmhouse and we, we guesstimated the house was about 200 years old at that time and um, great place to grow up. And I, my uh, room was upstairs. I'd go up this kind of circular staircase and go up the stairs and go through a kind of a common room and then into my room. And, and there was a time or two when my mom said to me, David, I want you to go to your room and I want you to look for whatever it was because apparently it ended up in my room. So, of course, you know, yes, Mom. So I head up those stairs through that common room. I go into my room, and I start to look for that thing, whatever it was. And it was amazing as I started to look, and I got in my closet, and there, man, there was a toy that I hadn't seen in months. I forgot it was there. Of course, you know, that catches my attention because, boy, I like this thing. And I start checking it out. I want to see if the batteries are still good. You know, does this thing still work? And I start playing around with this toy. And, boy, I'm having a good time. And all of a sudden, from the bottom of that circular uh, staircase, I hear my mom saying, David! And I say, yes, Mom, as if I don't know why she's calling my name. <laughs> and I run to the top of the steps. Yeah, what is it you want? And she says, did you find the whatever it is that she had sent me to look for? No, Mom, I'm looking. <laughs> I, I haven't found it yet. So back to my room I go. You know, this time I am going to focus. I am going to look for it. I am going to find it. And boy, I'm looking all over the place. And this time I go under my bed. And amazing the things you find under there. And I get under there and I pull out. Hey, here's another toy. I forgot all about this. Man, that, I got that about three Christmases ago and haven't seen that hardly since then. Boy, I started to play with it. I'm checking it out. The batteries are dead, so I got to get some new batteries, you know, and I'm checking this thing out. I'm having a good time. And then all of a sudden, from the bottom of that staircase, I hear my mom, David Howard Snyder. And you know when you hear all three names, you are in trouble. So, of course, I'm running back to the top of the steps Yes, Mom, as if I don't know why she's called all three of my names. And she says to me, David, if I have to come look for that item, you will not be a happy camper. Let me just tell you, I knew exactly what she meant by that. 
and I turned around and I went back to my room. And this time, let me tell you, I was going to look for that item. I was focused. And you know, it was amazing. When I walked into the room, there it was. I think I had about tripped over it twice before. And why? Because now I was focused. I was going to look for that item she had sent me to, to, to go find. Listen, that's the way Jesus wants you and I to look on the fields. To not just take a passing glance. It's so easy. Yeah, okay, we're going to look. Well, yeah, but what about this? And what about that? And boy, we get entangled over here and we get sidetracked over here. Jesus says, hey, listen, are you really looking at the fields? Because they're white already unto harvest. So we need to focus as we get in the yoke with Jesus. But here's another one I need to mention as well. When it comes to the yoke, it's about teamwork because there's two in the yoke. And that when we get in the yoke with Jesus, we just need to let him dominate. Let him be the one who leads in that as we pull together with him. And boy, if there's going to be teamwork, guess what? There needs to be a common goal. You know, if one of the animals in that yoke would decide he's going this way and the other one would decide he's going that way, it'll never work. <laughs> Nothing will ever happen. But we need to make sure the goal is to accomplish the task, or let's say it this way, to please the owner of the field. And God is the owner of the field. And you and I need to be in step with the Lord Jesus Christ, laboring together with God in His harvest field, I love what the Bible talks about in John chapter 4, laboring one with another. Jesus said, And he that reapeth receiveth wages and gathereth fruit unto life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And herein is that saying true, one soweth, another reapeth. I sent you to reap that wherein you bestowed no labor. Other men labored and you are entered into their labors. And it's a wonderful thing to be able to labor together in God's harvest field, one with another. As students working together, as I mentioned, I think it was the first service that I preached, all these different mission agencies, we're not in competition. We're working together. We want to see the gospel get spread throughout the entire world. And it's a blessing. It is a privilege to be able to labor together in that way. But beyond that, to a whole other degree, 1 Corinthians chapter 3 says, So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. Watch, for we are laborers together with God. It's a privilege to work one with another, yes. But oh my, the privilege we have to labor together with God. That Jesus Christ gives us that invitation to get into the yoke with Him. He makes the plea. He says, come unto me. He says, I have a plan. It's take my yoke upon you. And then, number three, He says, I'm the pattern. He says, learn of me. I want you to think about this thought. You've heard this before, the whole idea of say, putting an ox and a donkey together in the yoke, it'll never work. It's un being unequally yoked. You can't get the job done. You know, and I thought about that whole idea of getting in the yoke with Jesus Christ. You know, that's one of the reasons why it is so important for you and I to become more like Jesus Christ every day. 
Because we need to be, if you will, in step with Jesus Christ. You know, sometimes we get so distracted and we kind of do our own thing and we figure, hey, we've got this figured out. No, our focus needs to be on Jesus Christ being more like him every day of our lives so that we can be effective in the service that we have with him, laboring together with Christ. He says, I'm the pattern. So what does he say about that pattern? Number one, he says, for I am meek. Our Lord Jesus Christ is meek. By definition, it is mild or by implication, humble, gentle. Listen to this. It's a little long, but I think it's so good. Listen to this definition. An attitude of humility toward God and gentleness toward men springing from a recognition that God is in control. Although weakness and meekness may look similar, they're not the same. Weakness is due to negative circumstances such as lack of strength or lack of courage. But meekness is due to a person's conscious choice. It is strength and courage under control coupled with kindness. And you think about meekness, you think again about an ox or a cow or something that will be put into that yoke. Boy, the power that had to be under control, that submission that had to take place. Can I just remind you of the ultimate example of meekness? Jesus Christ. He is all-powerful God, but he left heaven in submission to the will of the heavenly Father so that you and I, so that the world could have the opportunity to be saved through him. He says, I am meek. So what does it mean to be meek? Well, I guess there's a lot of things we could talk about. I'll just name two quickly, two characteristics of the meek. Number one, the meek are satisfied. Psalm 22, verse 26 says, the meek shall eat and be satisfied. Being satisfied is a key element of missions and being a good missionary. The Apostle Paul, he was a good missionary. He says in Philippians 4, Not that I speak in respect of one, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. He says, I know how to be abased. I know how to abound everywhere and in all things. I'm struck to be full, to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. And then he says, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. By the way, for all of us as Christians, the book of Hebrews says, let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. We all need to learn to be content with what God's given to us. And I'm going to say this and I'm going to say this in love. And I want you to consider seriously what I'm saying. And I say it a little bit tongue-in-cheek. If you're getting into ministry for the money, don't. Is that pretty clear? But you know, when you go to, let's say, interview for whatever it is that you're going to interview for, whether it's at a mission agency, whether you're going to interview to be an assistant pastor, a youth pastor, to be a pastor, whatever, you know, listen, the first questions that you ask should not be, well, how much am I getting paid? What's the retirement plan? How much time do I get off? Be content with what God gives you as you stay in the center of his will. You see, if God leads you to a ministry and you know that's where God has you, understand, God will take care of the pay. God will take care of the retirement. 
God will give you off as much as you need to be off. Hey, listen, just say, I'm going to be content with that which God gives to me. And can I just say, God is a good God. And God will meet our needs. God will take care of us. So the meek, number one, are satisfied. Number two, I mentioned this one, the meek delight in peace. Psalm 37, verse 11 says, But the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. How does that fit to missions? Well, Romans chapter number 10, really this is, the, this is missions in a nutshell. Beginning in verse 14, Paul says, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are them that are the feet of them that preach the gospel of what? Peace. And bring glad tidings of good things. You know, missions is all about preaching the gospel of peace. And the meek are people who love peace. And I don't know about you, but I love to see people, if you will, make peace with God through Jesus Christ, through salvation that only can come through him. So Jesus says, hey, I'm the pattern. He says, number one, I'm meek. But notice also he says, and lowly in heart. Take your Bibles and turn with me to Philippians chapter number two. Philippians chapter number two, again, as we're pointing to Jesus Christ as the example for us. Paul lays out here the example of Jesus Christ in Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse number 3. He says, Let nothing be done through strife and vainglory, watch, but in lowliness of mind. And we can say here, in lowliness of heart, let each esteem other better than themselves. Verse 4, Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Here's the example of Jesus Christ. He's lowly in heart. Number one, he has a sacrificial heart. Gave up his own comforts of heaven. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Here's the example, verse 6. Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. He did not think his equality with God a prize to be robbed of. He said, hey, listen, I'm willing to give up the comforts of heaven to go to this earth. He had that sacrificial heart. But number two, he had that servant's heart. He was focused on others. Look at verse 7, Philippians 2, 7. But made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. He again serves as our example to be servants. But he also had, number three, that submitted heart. He gave himself to do the will of God. Look at verse 8 of Philippians 2. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. So Jesus says, I'm the pattern. He says, learn of me. He says, number one, I am meek. I'm satisfied to do the will of the heavenly father. And he says, I am of lowly heart. He says, I've got that sacrificial heart, the servant's heart, that submitted heart to do whatever it is the Heavenly Father wants. And oh, I am so glad that he is the perfect example for you and I, that he followed through and did what the Heavenly Father wanted him to do. Now, if we respond to the plea of Jesus and we follow the plan that he has for us and we you know, pattern our lives after him, then we can claim, number four, the promise that he gives. The promise, 
He says, ye shall find rest unto your souls. By the way, he's already mentioned this in verse 28, the same idea about finding rest in him. And again, I mentioned, number one, true rest begins at salvation, but we should have rest in him as we serve him as well. And that's really, I believe, what Jesus is saying here in verse number 30. This is a unique verse. He says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Think about that for a moment. He says, my yoke is easy. You say, Brother Snyder, you just talked about the yoke being hard work and submission and all these things, anything but entertaining and, and fun. So why and how can Jesus say that this yoke is easy? Well, here's what he means by that. The word easy literally means manageable or mild or pleasant as opposed to burdensome. It's a word that means well fitting. Just stop and think about this. Do you realize that Jesus Christ has a yoke that is custom made for you and you and you and you and you and me? That's amazing. It's well fitted to us. It is, can I say it this way? It is lined with love. And, and I'll give you this example because I think most everybody can identify with this. You know, you probably have more than one pair of shoes. You know, some are pretty comfortable shoes. Some, not so much. And you know, it's interesting that when I wear comfortable shoes, shoes that are well-fitting, I, I can go throughout the day, I can go over to BIMI, put in a day's worth of work, and I can come home and, you know, I've not really even thought about my shoes. They've done what they were supposed to do. And when I come in the door, it's like, oops, I forgot. I got to take off my shoes at the door because I wasn't even thinking about my shoes. They're comfortable shoes. But I've got some other shoes that are not so comfortable. You say, well, Brother Snyder, why do you wear them? Well, because my wife says they match with the suit I have on that day, okay? So I wear them. And as I go throughout the day, they're not very comfortable. You know, I'm just, yeah, man. And even behind the desk, sometimes I slip them off and hope nobody comes to the door that I have to go greet them in my socking feet, okay? You know, <laughs> it just, and I get into the house at night, boy, that's first thing. I just throw them off because I, I'm ready to get those shoes off. Hey, listen, <laughs> Jesus says the yoke I have for you is like those comfortable shoes. You put it on. You do a day's worth of work and you don't even realize the day's worth of work was there. It, it did what it was supposed to do. It helped you throughout the day. It was custom made just for you. Now, by the way, you can pick your own yoke out and you can put it on, but let me tell you, it's going to be uncomfortable. You're going to be chafing at that thing and it's just not going to fit right and you're just going to be, man, I want to get this thing off, but not the yoke of Jesus. Jesus says, my yoke is easy. And then he says this, my burden is light. Again, that, that sounds interesting. It's a burden, but he says it's light. How can that be? Well, listen, if you put a burden on your back and you carry it, I remember when I was growing up, dad would go to the feed store to get the feed for the animals we had and he'd come home with a truckload and for a while I was way too young to pick up any of those bags, but after a while, sadly, I got to the point where I could pick them up and had to pick them up and carry them. Let me tell you, they are burdensome. They are heavy. But you know what, if we could take those same bags and we could put them onto a wagon, we could put them onto a cart of some sort, and boy, if I could pull them, boy, then the burden becomes light. And boy, if my dad and I both got on that thing and we were both able to pull it, boy, then it becomes even that much more light. And what are we saying? Well, what we're saying is it's really having the right tool 
to do the job and it makes the job easier. I know for several years I've helped build houses and did that for a living and I, I remember when we built decks, I enjoy building decks and I thought about this, you know, having the right tool for the job, just it makes all the difference in the world. Can you imagine if all the floor joists were laid out and I started to put the decking down behind my house and put the one piece down here and it's about a foot too long? Can you imagine if I just kind of marked that thing and then I jumped back here a little bit and I laid it out and I brought out my axe. Now, it's a sharp axe, okay, but, but I take this axe and I, boy, I start to swing at that thing and I swing at that thing and I'm going to hit that mark. And by the way, I've used an axe enough to know I'm not real good at hitting the same mark every time. But I keep trying, you know, I'm swinging at that thing and swinging at that thing. Let me tell you, if you've ever swung an axe, you know it wears you out. It wears you out. And finally, I would get through. Eventually, it would happen. But can you imagine as I take that board and I lay it down, put it in place and yeah, it kind of comes out to the end there, you know, kind of, you know, if my wife were to come out and check that out, she'd say, uh-uh, that ain't staying there. That looks bad. That looks awful. And I'd have to agree with her. It would because I used the wrong tool. I wore myself out. And it looks terrible. But you know what? If I had the right tool, pull that speed square out of my tool belt, mark it with a line, and then get that saw, that rip saw. And by the way, can I just, oh, what an illustration of plugging in to the Holy Spirit to the power of God, to plug in and then to lay that thing there and just roll that thing. Boy, just saw it off smooth as butter and drop it down in place and boy, it looks good. You know what? I'm not even wore out. The right tool for the job makes all the difference in the world. Listen, we can wear ourselves out and do it our own way, put our own yoke on ourselves, or we can take Gladly, the yoke that Jesus has custom built for us. You've heard from Scripture, the joy of the Lord is your strength. You know, if you enjoy what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. You know that applies to missions? That applies to full-time service for the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, you know, Brother Snyder, you're, you're the president of BIMI. You're, you're, you know, you're, you got a wagon load of responsibilities and things. How do, you, how do you handle it? Well, I kind of look at that load and I see Jesus. He's already in the yoke and he makes a plea. He says, come unto me. And oh, how wonderful it is to go to Jesus and to know he's got a plan and to get in the yoke with him. And when I put it on, I realize, man, this thing fits perfectly. What an amazing thing. And then Jesus says, now watch, I'm the pattern. Here's how you pull. And I learn of him. And I become more like him every day. And as we do, that's when I find rest unto my soul. He said, does that mean you don't have hard times? Oh, I got plenty of those. But that's because we're on this side of eternity. But you know, I know this is what God's called me to do. And being in the center of his will, being yoked up with him. Oh, there's joy in serving Jesus. I'm going to end with this thought. I just want to really emphasize this when it comes to missions. There is this thought out there that says this. <laughs> well, if I surrender to be a missionary, I know what's going to happen. God's going to call me to some place in deepest, darkest, you name it, Africa. And I'm going to hate every minute of serving the Lord there because it's going to be the most awful place in the entire world. If God calls you somewhere and you go and you hate it, 
there's a real problem. And it's not with Jesus, and it's not with his call, it's with your heart. Because the Bible says he'll give us the desires of our heart. Sometimes he has to change our heart, by the way, but he will give us the desires of our heart. Listen, I, I, I've not talked to a missionary who has a good and a right heart, who's gotten the yoke with Jesus and gone to where Jesus has called them to go to, who said, I hate it here. But I can tell you, the missionaries that I talk to like that, they say, oh, I love it here. I don't know how I love it here because, boy, it's so different than anything I've ever seen. The work is really difficult at, at times, and, boy, this is just an amazing thing. But, you know, I'm so glad God's called me here. You know, I remember when I wanted to do a deputation to go to Alaska, I had people say to me, you have got to be nuts to go to a place like Alaska. You know, some, some of y'all think it's been cold the last couple days. My wife and I, I guess our record is we've been in 60 degrees below zero. That makes outside seem really warm, doesn't it? But I got to tell you, even in the midst of 60 below, I loved it. It was difficult, yeah. You plug in your car for two hours before you even touch it when it's 60 below. And then you get in and you start it. You don't touch it for 30 minutes after it runs. You say, man, that's, that's all right. God gave us grace and we enjoyed it. Summertime, I got to go fishing. Salmon, 15-pound salmon, average size. That's pretty good. Oh, I'm suffering for Jesus in Alaska, you know. <laughs> Woo! I used to tell my sons, you know what? People save a lifetime to come to Alaska <laughs> to spend two weeks, and we get to live here. They pay $800 to go, go hunting for a week. I paid 40 bucks for a hunting and fishing license combined. Hey, listen, God's not going to call you somewhere you hate. He's got a yoke that is custom made for you. And he says, come, get in that yoke with me.